Hi, and welcome to the Airline Week Lounge. I'm Madhuni Christian, your host. I'm joined again by Ned Russell, my colleague on Airline Weekly. And today we go from Alpha to Omicron, talk about the new variant that is threatening airlines around the world. Or is it? Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey there, Ned. How are you? Hey, Madhu. I'm good. How, how was your holiday? It was good. It was very restful. I didn't travel anywhere. Excellent. I didn't either, but I had a full ho- a house full of in-laws, so it was uh, it was stressful in its own way. <laughs> I'm sure. And uh, during the Thanksgiving break, uh, news broke about uh, the coronavirus. Yes, that's right. A new variant, the Omicron variant, which I personally think makes uh, reminds me of a deranged space robot, but I guess it's a coronavirus variant. Someone doesn't know his Greek alphabet. The, the Omicron, yes, the Omicron variant first was identified in South Africa, um, where it originated still, I think, remains unclear, but uh, it's most prevalent in Southern Africa and resulted, as we know, in travel bans around the world for, for passengers from eight or nine Southern African countries, including South Africa. That's right. You know, there's been a lot of quick moving uh, border restrict travel restrictions thrown up uh, in in short order. You know, I was just reading that, uh, you know, the Netherlands put up border restrictions so quickly that several KLM flights were midair. And when they landed, uh, they they were subject to new rules that they didn't know when they took off. So it's it's created a bit of a headache for airlines. It has. It absolutely has. But, um, you know, first of all, let me preface what I'm going to say is I'm not an epidemiologist, nor am I a public health expert. However, um, I think some of the just looking from a public policy point of view, a lot of governments came under criticism last year, late last year and early this year um, for not acting quick enough for uh, to contain the Delta variant. The thought was, you know, vaccines are rolling out. We um, we have all these mitigations in place. People are tired of lockdowns and um, ban- travel restrictions don't work. And the result was the Delta variant spread all over the world. Um, so I think part of it is all, is not not virtue signaling, but uh, governments wanting to be seen to act quickly to contain this, and you know, and also to avoid lockdowns. I mean, we we all have lockdown fatigues fatigue, and uh, and no one wants to go back to you know sheltering in place. So. It seems like governments are doing as much as they can to avoid that and to signal to their citizens that we're taking this seriously and we're not going to be caught with our pants down. It's interesting you talk about governments taking quick action, which which I acknowledge, uh, like you say, it probably is a reaction to the criticisms they received over Delta. But, you know, from everything that I've read is we still don't know the full um, uh, how transmissible Omicron is, nor how serious it is, uh, whether it's worse than Delta or not. Uh, you know, we'll figure this out certainly in the next few few weeks. But, you know, I do wonder if governments will be quick to ease restrictions if it proves to be not as big of a concern as, as we initially think um, or, or, you know, whether whether it's going to be the reactions will be as quick. But uh, I mean, that's a, a to be seen. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that's important to keep in mind now, <laughs> the World Health Organization skipped over um, Z and new or new and Z in, um, in naming this. But Omicron is Towards the end of the Greek alphabet, 
And yes, Ned, I'm showing off. I can see your face. Ned and I are watching each other. Um, so there have been, you know, there have been uh, variants starting with Alpha all the way through Omicron skipping. I just like to say that Madhu will be holding a separate podcast to educate everyone about the Greek Alpha. Again, but back to our regular. <laughs> so skipping over New and Z, there's been a lot of there have been a lot of variants and. Most have not been variants of concern. I mean, Alpha, which was first identified in the United Kingdom last year, was um, was a variant of concern. Delta, of course, we know the story. Um, now we're down to Omicron, and um, we, you know, the the World Health Organization warned again that nothing. They don't know about the lethality of this variant, whether it'll actually cause more illness and hospitalization, whether it'll evade vaccines. No one really knows. It does appear to be more transmissible, but also keep in mind that a lot of the countries that it, where it was first identified had, you know, 10 percent or less back in terms of vaccine distribution. So it's uh, it could be a lot of factors. Nothing is known, but governments acted very, very quickly to contain it. And well, there was an overreaction. I mean, you know, we're what? What are we like 20 months into this this point? 20, 22 months, something like yeah. that. Okay. Um no, I think we're 20 months. It wasn't first, first, well, I guess it was first reports of a new disease coming out of Wuhan were January, January. But really, but, but the dates back to December when the first cases were. Right. Were, so um, we're close to 24 yeah. months. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but the response hasn't calibrated as finely as perhaps most people would want or most airlines would want. Right. Um, and look, I would like to raise the point that, you know, there have been um, uh, cri- there has been criticism of, of governments, especially in Western in developed countries, Western Europe, the U.S., raising uh, restrictions to travelers from Southern Africa, whereas vaccines, like you said, are, are not nearly as widely available in, in many of those African countries as they are in, in Western Europe and, and North America. And there is criticism over these restrictions when, you know, there's still this this uh, sort of vast difference in vaccine availability in, in yeah. parts of the world. And vaccine inequity is something that we could talk about on several different podcasts and it's perhaps beyond <laughs> the scope of the airline weekly lounge. But, um, but you know, yes. the, no, you you raise a good point. I mean, we've, the world is struggling with, with tremendous vaccine inequity. The responses of governments are pretty not, not as well calibrated as one would hope, but better than they were when Delta first appeared or, alpha or even the virus at all first appeared. And we do have, um, you know, these, these life-saving vaccines as well as, um, we're on the cusp of proving, um, medical remedies. I'm, I'm blanking on pills that could treatments, treatments, treatments for, yes, yeah. that could, uh, could, uh, lessen the effect of an infection. So, so, you know, we have a lot more tools and, and, at our disposal to fight this thing. So we'll see. And that's interesting, you know, now to bring it back to airlines because everything I, has I an aviation angle. <laughs> uh, the, um, the, you know, I talked to a bunch of airlines over the last couple of days about whether, um, whether they plan to cancel service to Africa and um, no schedule changes so far. I mean, the thing is, this is very fluid, right? You know, you and I both have said how airlines have reserved the capacity to flex their schedules up and down, depending on on both demand and, you know, outbreaks. So it's fluid. But as of now, they're, they're just sort of like, wait and see. Absolutely. You know, EasyJet's uh, CEO, Johan Lundgren, spoke uh, during the fiscal, their, their fiscal year results call today. Um, and he commented that you know they have seen an immediate uh, slowdown or softening of, of 
short-term bookings. And by short-term, he's talking about the next few weeks. But he said, really, they're seeing no change to 2020 holiday or 2022 bookings. So, you know, right now, the situation is, like like you said, it's very fluid, and airlines are watching it closely, but they aren't really changing their, their plans for the next year yet. That's, you know... Um, you know, EasyJet is more concerned about the spike in cases in Europe, which is separate from Omicron, uh, than it is about Omicron. So right. it's um, you know, there there are plenty of other concerns out there, but uh, it seems that that Omicron hasn't yet raised red flags for the airline industry. And this is interesting as well, Ned. I mean, you raise another interesting point, and that is what some of the Wall Street analysts have said, and that's um. This seems to be a pattern now that airlines will just have to deal with. The There may be a new variant or a new outbreak. Demand will slump for a few weeks and then pick back up. Um, you know, people will react in fear at first. But then when when news filters out or more se- genetic sequencing of the virus is done, um, to see whether it, it can get past the vaccines or various other treatment options, then demand goes back up again. So this may be just the way people, airlines do business. Now I know, you know, if you think, if you think back at the before times, airlines would frequently flex their service based on, you know, if there's a cholera outbreak in a certain region or, um, you know, a typhoid outbreak or what have you. So it may just be, we're in this new reality where there's this global pandemic that is becoming endemic and, Airlines will just have to adapt to new variants and new outbreaks and change their schedules and react and deploy their capacity elsewhere as demand warrants. Um, Absolutely. And we can't forget that. I, you mentioned this earlier, you know, lockdown fatigue is real. Pent up demand is real. And, and I've heard from multiple airline CEOs, this is before Omicron, but in general, that once people are back out on the road, they don't really want to go back in. Uh, once they started traveling again. And, and I think there's just a greater uh, willingness to for people to, to mask up, you know, to get their vaccines and take the risk, even with Omicron, then stop traveling, go into lockdown again. It, that That is my my feeling. But, you know, of course, it's aside from business travel and stuff, but leisure travel. Well, business right travels now, so. is the one unknown. Right. And that's Already, office companies have been struggling to get workers to come back to their offices and reopen their offices. I mean, the New York Times just had a story this weekend. I don't know if you saw it, Ned, about um, uh, how, you know, or about uh, six months ago, the heads of a lot of banks on Wall Street said mandated employees to return to the office. And employees are basically in revolt <laughs> and, and you know, saying, we'll, we'll come in two days a week, but if you want us to come in more than that, We'll find another job. It's a tight labor market. Um, so that that's kind of backfired on the Wall Street banks. But if you look at where I live in San Francisco, tech industry has uh, had their offices are virtually shuttered until, you know, and it keeps rolling back from December to January. And now some companies are saying not till March. And this, this Savi Sith, an analyst at Raymond Jane said, this could really affect the return of business travel. Omicron could, that is. If if people are scared to come back to the office, they may not they may not go back to the office anytime soon. And and that will really put a dampener on business travel. Absolutely. And we saw the same thing with Delta. In July, everyone was ready for offices, you know, people to go back to the offices in September. Delta reared its head and that quickly slipped to 
end of the, you know, early next year, early 2022. And Omicron could do the same. I mean, this could just be the new reality that, that we have to deal with. Like, and, you know, our colleagues at Skift have been reporting about various conferences, particularly in Europe, being canceled out of uh, fears of Omicron. So, so, um, so yeah, I think this that's the one unknown, right? I mean, I think, le- as to your point, Ned, I think leisure travel, is, there's a lot of pent up demand. The holidays are just around the corner. People are probably going to you know, if they're vaccinated and take all the appropriate measures, they're probably going to continue traveling. But uh, what this could very well push the recovery of business travel back all of, by several months. Absolutely. So let's take a little break here, Ned. And we're back. This is Maduri Christian from Airline Weekly, joined by uh, Ned Russell, also of Airline Weekly. And Ed, <laughs> so hey, you, so you, let's switch gears from Omicron and viruses and talk about uh, EasyJet and SAS, both of which you listened to earlier this week. That's right. You know, they both presented their uh, 2021 fiscal year results on uh, Tuesday when we were recording this podcast. And so, you know, they both have interesting fiscal years. EasyJet ended in September, SAS in October, and uh, they they both presented fairly um, robust outlooks for the recovery, despite Omicron uh, and any virus concerns, you know, the, the caveats being uh, Johan Lundgren at EasyJet and Anko Vanderwerf at SAS both caveated all their comments with, you know, and we expect the virus to continue to, to you know, require, require flexibility based on demand and everything. But, uh, yeah, they're generally optimistic for the continued recovery, still planning, general capacity, uh, you know, coming back in the next uh, next few quarters. EasyJet anticipates being back to 2019 levels by the end of their 2022 fiscal year. So that's September time frame. So roughly a year from and, now. Yeah, roughly. Uh, yeah, 10 months from now. Number take. So it's it, it was interesting to, to hear those outlooks, despite the. The Omicron and uh, you know lockdown, you know dire news that we're getting today. Now, did EasyJet identify particular areas in its geography that are doing better than others? So it's, it's still very much Southern Europe uh, beach destinations. You know, they talk, talked about you know loading some of their largest schedules ever to to places like uh, um, Portugal, Egypt, Istanbul, nice, well, sorry, Turkey, Greece. For summer 2022, and and they're still anticipating robust demand. But EasyJet was more focused on sort of realizing some of the the growth plans that they outlined in their equity raise in September, and that includes acquiring slots at some of Europe's uh, slot controlled hub airports. You know, they've negotiated a deal to lease uh, slots at Gatwick from British Airways for the medium term. Now they were asked what medium term means, and they declined to comment on on that length of time. But they will they 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 forecast that they will be operating more than half of the flights from Gatwick next summer, uh, which is is great for EasyJet. You know, they're really solidifying their strength there. And they've also acquired some slots in Amsterdam, Lisbon, uh, Milan, Lanate, Porto. So, you know, they're 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 focused on that. And they talked about that growth strategy is, is going well and they continue to, to do that. You know, they uh, speaking to next summer, they're they're touting their seasonal bases, which include places like Lisbon and uh, Palma de Mallorca. And they're those they're growing that. But they really focused a lot on on realizing some of those plans that they oh. had outlined. Oh, and to meet this growth, they exercised 19, 8 through 20 Neo family options 
from their order book to boost it up. Though their deliveries, don't forget, those deliveries aren't until 2025, so it really doesn't help the near term. <laughs> but but they, they, the, it was interesting. The the talk was really about, you know, we're, you know, ex, you know executing on the plans we've outlined. We're, we're cutting costs. They cut costs by about 521 million pounds in 2020 and FY 2021. You know, and, and really they were talking up to, it was the investor community really about having, you know, in, getting back to investor returns the next few years. Um, unless it was very little about, uh, you know, beyond the initial comments about Omicron or the virus. And, uh, you know, Johan Lundgren said that, you know, they've always expected that a new variant or some variant would arise and, and they're ready to, you know, flex based on what that means. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, all these these CEOs, no matter how optimistic they are, kind of rushed through this uh, before Omicron, between Delta and Omicron, they they rushed through this sort of everything's great, but the disease is unpredictable, and now it's it's proven it's thrown up a new obstacle. So that's interesting. What what did SAF to, excuse me SAS have to say for itself? You know, SAS is uh, is is recovering a bit slower than uh, than EasyJet, but you know they 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 shrank a bit more during the crisis. You know they have faced some more statement challenges, but they talked a bit about you know they're they're seeing demand uh, gradually come back. They're prepared for a future. Oh, I did note this that is more leisure travel focused. Now you know Anko Vanderwerf didn't say you know give any comments exactly like you know 50% of business travel won't come back, but you know, they did include a chart that in the future they see 80% of their revenues coming from leisure and huh. 20% from business, whereas pre-pandemic it was 70-30 uh, favoring leisure. So, you know, that's a 10-point reduction in business travel. So they're, they're you know, working on restructuring the business to, to meet those demands. They've got two new operational subsidiaries, SAS Connect and SAS Link, which they were asked what exactly the differences are, and they said, they're, oh, they're only operational differences in terms of a brand and sales point of view. Passengers won't know what airline they're flying on. So it's interesting. Uh, what the, yeah. What's the point? I think uh, it's, it's operational and cost savings is, is the, the gist that I got, though. They, they didn't dive too much into details. But, yeah, they're seeing travelers come up. They said, you know, strong return of travelers in the third quarter, and now their third quarter or, sorry, in the fourth quarter, and their fourth quarter ended in October. So that's the August, September, October period. So, you know, they were bullish. Oh, one interesting thing, as we've known, Finnair, Eurowings, Ryanair have all expanded Stockholm, Orlando, which right. uh, is a major SAS hub. Um, after, you know, Norwegians pulled out, but, you know, they were asked about new competition and, you know, uh, Der really expressed a few concerns about it. And specifically on Finnair, he, he thought that Finnair's new long haul routes from Stockholm are, um, not quote unquote structural changes for the airline, suggesting that once Asia reopens, Finnair will be sending its planes back to Asia, which was long the focus for its Helsinki. Actually, house, so, so he thinks, he yeah. thinks it's temporary. He thinks it's temporary. And I know uh, when I read Finnair's results a few weeks, a month ago, Finnair uh, answered similar questions saying, no, we, we do plan to stay in Stockholm. Uh, these are, you know, maybe not every route's a permanent addition, but a long haul base in Stockholm is a is a permanent plan. So huh. uh, we'll see who's right. So, what about some yeah. of the, the, the new entrants in Norway? Um there were two, yeah, they I really believe, didn't right? talk about the Norway huh. market. They they talked about Copenhagen, and that's where um, they're launching their new operational subsidiaries. Uh, they might bring SAS Connect to Norway in later in 2022, but they really didn't speak about any of the new competition in the Norwegian market. 
it was a very, like I said, it's very high level leisure travel coming back first. You know, they're looking forward to their summer 2022 schedule. Um, they are cautiously watching uh, Omicron, but still really, you know, few concerns expressed. Yeah. All right. Now let's turn in the few minutes we have left about to talk about uh, Thanksgiving. And it's a big holiday in the States. For those of you who are listening outside the States, it's one of the biggest holidays of the year. And one of the, and two of the busiest travel days of the year are the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, which occurs on a Thursday, and the Sunday after. So the end of a four-day weekend. TSA, as I understand it, screened more people during that period than it has at any time during, since before the pandemic. That's right. So over the Thanksgiving period, TSA says uh, numbers show they screened about 89 percent of um, uh, 2019 levels. And that's not any one day. That's over sort of a 10 day period uh-huh. on Sunday uh, after Thanksgiving. Uh, so uh, November 28th, 28th they screened 2.45 million, which wow. is about 85 percent of 2019 levels. But 2.45 million is the highest that uh, the highest absolute number that they've screened since the pandemic. So. You know, it travelers are back. Clearly, you know, of course, Omicron didn't come out until after people were on the road. But, uh, you know, COVID, any concerns of COVID did not stop uh, people going home for Thanksgiving meals. And I think what really jumped out to me is we didn't see any major airline operational issues over the holiday. And there were definitely concerns about that going in. There were because airlines, as we've discussed before, their operations are lean. And before the four day holiday, there was some concern about storms on the East Coast, which I guess never panned out. So airlines got a little, were prepared. You know, preparation is, is uh, I've, no, I was trying to think of that expression about preparation being 90% of something, but um, <laughs> whatever. They, they were definitely prepared, but they also had luck on their side. They did. And, you know, I mean, that's the major question is what happens if you have a holiday and a snowstorm hits Chicago yeah. or, you know, some, or, or a windstorm hits worse. Dallas. Exactly. Exactly. You know, these, one of these major hubs gets knocked out for, for a significant part of a day. You know, that's going to be the question. But, you know, airlines you know, did, you know, they got lucky on the weather. And even though they have lean operations, they were able to perform through the holiday. And so that, that is good. And, and that will certainly, it bodes well for the Christmas and New Year's holidays, which are, are coming up in a few short weeks. But of course, those tend to be, travel tends to be more spread out over those holidays. So right. it's not quite as peaky, though. Still plenty of people traveling. Right. Now, let's stop and think about that 89% figure for a second. I mean, we're talking 89% of 2019 levels for the busiest travel day of the year. So that will make it one of the, that will, that easily makes it the busiest travel day since the pandemic started, but makes it busier than most travel days in 2019, if you think about it. 89% is over 10 day period, but yes, yes. Yeah. So that makes it busier than most any other 10 day period, even in 2019. So that's, that's remarkable. We've come a remarkable way. Um, Absolutely. But as John Ostrow wrote in the air current just uh, yesterday, while we've come 89% it, in 20 months, it could take another 20 months to go to the last 11% right. because of the constraints that are in the system. And we talked about airlines are operating lean operations. And it's it, there's it's really hard for a lot of people to see how they ramp up uh, that last 11 percent in the next 12 months with pilots being one of the biggest limiting factors. Interesting. Pilots. Um, you're right. Air, aircraft. I mean, there's all sorts of constraints. Um, all right. Well, Ned, let's leave it there for now. Thanks for joining us in the early weekly lounge. Thank you. For Always joining. a pleasure to join you. Madhu. <laughs> and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. 
Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week. <laughs>